The following message is brought to you by Charles L. King, Jr., pastor of First Baptist Church, West College Hill. If you need additional information, visit firstbaptistchurchwch.org. I declare that's why the time that we spend in worship, you don't want to waste the experience. You don't want to mess around and get in front of somebody who's trying to be in the presence of God. Because whether you are on virtual or here in the sanctuary, you don't know what it took just for somebody to maybe get up and get dressed. I don't care if you got dressed just to go to the kitchen or come right here to First Baptist, but you don't know what it took just for somebody to make it to worship. And now that I'm here, I'm in the courts, but now I want to get into the presence of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Turn with me now to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 8, the book of Mark, chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 34. If you're physically able to stand, I'm going to ask that you please do so. Not only here in the sanctuary, but those of you who are online, of course, you know we do that. In accordance with the spirit, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 5 said that Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now, certainly, again, I say if they're physically able. But in verse 6, it says that Ezra blessed the Lord. And then all the people answered, amen, amen. So there ought to be some amens when the word of God is going forth. Amen. Uh, I don't care if you're here in the sanctuary or even online. You, if, you, if you can't, somebody can't hear, you at least need to type amen. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. I'll be reading from the Amplified Version of the Bible. It says that Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. That just talked to somebody. And follow me. Watch this. Believing in me, conforming to my example in living And if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Wait a minute. Let me read this again. It says, if anyone. And if you are one of the anyone, then this scripture's got your name on it. If anyone wishes to follow me, Jesus is talking as my disciple. He must deny himself. What do you mean, Jesus? Set aside selfish interests and take up his cross. Most translations say take up his cross, and then it moves on. But wait a minute. What what do you mean? Expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Wait a minute. Believing in me, conforming to my example in living, And if need be, suffering, or perhaps dying, because of faith in me. 
So on this fourth Sunday of April, April the 24th, 2021, with your prayers and by the aid of the Holy Spirit, we want to consider this as our subject. Dare to ask God for the power to take up, wait a minute, your cross. Pray with me, Father. Open my eyes so I can see your truth. Open my ears so I can hear your voice. Open my mind so I can understand your word. And open my heart so that I may receive all that you have for me. That is for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Ye may be seated in the presence of our God. Dare to ask God for the power to take up your cross. For our communion service today, I want to encourage you to ask God for the power to take up your cross. For you see, it is at the cross where salvation and forgiveness of sin are guaranteed to all who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's at the cross where the unfolding of God's plan of salvation for sinners that resulted in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's at the cross where we discover the way to our eternal home. But you see, my brothers and my sisters, there is more to the cross than the crucifixion of Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is also the crucifixion of self in our lives as Christians. Again, it says here in the text, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Remember, before you can even take up your cross, you must first deny yourself. That means you're going to have to set aside your personal or your selfish interests. Now, taking up your cross then is with the understanding of what it means. It means expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. You do know just this week some stuff has come upon us, not only individually, but as a people. But it's whatever may come, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in him. Now, I know we like to read and repeat scriptures, but you ready for that? Come on, somebody. How are you handling with what you got to handle and deal with right now? Let me put this verse into context for you. It was at Caesarea in Philippi that Jesus spoke these words. He had begun to prepare his disciples for his crucifixion, which he knew would soon take place. But the disciples didn't really understand. They could not reconcile a cross with a king. Jesus told them, however, that they too must be willing to go to the cross Listen to the text here, picking it up at verse 35. You didn't close your Bibles, did you? Picking up at verse 35 through verse 38, the Amplified, it says, Jesus said, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. 
But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the gospels will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world with all its pleasures and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul and eternal life in God's kingdom? For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Those are some powerful, powerful words, perhaps even painful words. But these words of Jesus demand our full commitment to him. Most, if not all, of our sins can be traced to love for self. Sins of the flesh, sins of the spirit, sins of omission and sins of commission. We sin because by our very nature, we care more about our wants and our needs, our desires, than our being obedient to God's will and his commands for our life. The world and the devil attempt to drag us down a path of self-gratification and self-indulgence. It's all about feeding our desires, our ego, our pleasures, our likings, and our wishes. We live in a world that boldly proclaims and promotes sinful behavior. The world says, you got rights. Come on, somebody. You should have what you want, when you want it, who you want, whenever you want, who you want. Come on, somebody. But Jesus calls it this adulterous and sinful generation. And so he commands us to take up our cross and walk a different path. You see, to really follow Jesus in our words and in all of our deeds and in all of our actions, we need to put aside our personal interests, our selfish desires, and give our lives fully to him. Nothing can be more important than your eternal soul. Nothing can be more important than where your soul will spend eternity. It's either heaven or hell. There are no other options. When we die, it's too late to choose. We need to make a decision right now. And let me help somebody because even an indecision is a decision. But the good news is this. Jesus has paid the price for our sin and for all who believe in him, there is the free offer of salvation for eternity. We can be saved. We can be set free. We can be redeemed. And we can be reassured of a place in heaven. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us. But when we accept Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, we can no longer live however we want. Come on, somebody. We can no longer behave however we want. You see, in our own strength, we will struggle. And that's why we need to ask God to empower us to take up our cross. Full commitment 
full surrender to God's will and his purpose to us every day of our lives, not just a couple of hours on a Sunday, if we go to church, whether in the pew or online. Come on, somebody. I want to ask you a question. Don't raise your hand, but it's a convicting question. Have you taken up your cross? Is God at the center of your life? You see, when God is truly placed at the center of our lives, I'm not talking about on the edges or the fringes. I'm talking about at the center. That's when our focus is on serving Christ and not our own selfish desires, wants, and or wishes. Listen to Galatians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21 in the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there would be no need for Christ to die. You see, Paul understood that those who are disciples of Jesus are meant to live as people who have died to self and who have died to sin. You and I are meant to be people who are willing to live our lives for Christ. When you have time, write this down. When you have time, I want you to read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. We don't have time to read all that today. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. But I do want to read for your hearing verses 12 through 14, again in the New Living Translation. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. It's only when we crucify self that we live in genuine repentance. And let me just put a little nickel in it right there in my meter. Because repentance is a word that we've stopped using in the church. Repentance is a big word. Amen. Now, if I ask you what does repentance mean, I would, I would ask, I would listen, if I want to ask what does repentance mean, for those of you online, I want you to type it in the chat box. But what does, let me just hear from somebody, what does repentance mean? To turn around, to turn away from. That becomes the general definition that we have with and for repentance. And I'm not saying that is the wrong term, but can I build you, can I build up to what that means? The word repentance, the Greek word, see that's why sometimes you got to do the study. The Greek word that Jesus used for repentance means a change of mind. Watch this. So when we change our mind about something, we also change our attitude toward it. When we change our attitude, then we are likely to change our actions. That then leads us to 
turning away from. That leads us to turning around. But you got to be careful because we treat repentance, turning away from, like we want to treat it like going on and off a diet. So we've been going down the wrong path with our diet. We know we got to turn some stuff around. And so we make some choices, but you ain't changed your mindset. You trying to make a decision sort of whimsically about what you think you need to do. No, that's not repentance. Repentance means a change of mind. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So I say it again. When we change our mind about something, we also change our attitude toward it. And when we change our attitude, then we are likely to change our actions. We can turn away from amen. Therefore, when we accept Christ as our Lord and our Savior, when we repent, when we change our minds about sinful behavior, that's when we make the promise of God to stop loving not only ourselves, but actually start loving on him. That is when we promise to consider the needs of others and not just our wants and desires. That's when we promise to serve him and place his will and purposes above our own. It's a change of mind and a change of attitude that should be evident in our actions and the way we live each and every day of our lives. But can I tell you something else? It's not just about outward behavior or outward behavior modification that takes place. There also needs to be a deep inward transformation of our heart. For you see in the book of Luke, chapter 14, 25 through 33, I need you to write that down. That's another one of those passages. I'm not going to have time to read it all. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Because in that passage, Jesus also explicitly states there is a cost to following him. Luke 14, 25 through 33. But let me just read verse 33 for your hearing. It says, he says, you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Verse 33 again, he says, you cannot, this is Jesus talking, talking to you, whoever you are, you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. That's a New Living Translation. True discipleship, my brothers and my sisters, is demanding. Come on, somebody. True discipleship is demanding, and it requires our promise to commit our lives to God's purposes and plans. Listen, I don't mean to scare anybody, but being a Christian isn't hard. But I thank God for being a Christian by the grace and mercy to get me through some hard stuff. True discipleship is demanding. It requires our promise to commit our lives to God's plans and his purposes. We are to place him first in comparison to everyone 
and everything that could hinder us from being the people he has saved us to be. Now, I just said something right there. That simply means that everybody can't go where God has taken you. And what I mean by that is not to say that they can and are prevented. I'm saying they can't because they ain't willing to give up the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. And listen, we're talking about following Jesus. Y'all got friends. Come on, somebody. That give up when the heart gets tough and the heart and, the, you know, everything gets real rough. Listen, it's when this hard stuff comes that the real so-and-so real stands up. Amen. That's when you find out really who's with you. Amen. True discipleship means that we're going to have to place God first in comparison to everyone and everything that could. I didn't say kick everybody out the house. Come on, somebody. But I said that could hinder us. I'm not saying cut everybody off your Facebook page. Come on, somebody. But if they are hindering you from being the people that God has saved you and me and us to be. Listen, Christ gave up everything for our salvation. He was subjected to six illegal trials. He was spat upon. He was whipped and mocked with a crown of thorns pressed into his head. He even had to carry the wooden cross that he would be crucified on to the place of crucifixion. The cross was laid on the ground and his hands and his feet were nailed to it. Then the cross was lifted up and dropped into the hole. Christ hung there between two thieves from early morning until midday. Then finally he died. He paid the penalty for your sin, for my sin, for our sin, past, present, and future. It was Jesus who took the punishment that you and I deserve. He was perfect, the spotless lamb of God, and he died for you and for me and for all who believe in him. Somebody praise God right now. Praise God for Christ who was willing to take the punishment of the cross for you and for me. You see, it was at the cross where we see God's love for us. Listen, as I get ready to close, I want to ask you, are you willing to take up the cross for him? But I don't want you just to answer yes too soon. Are you willing to take up the cross for him at all costs? Listen, years ago, a man named Isaac Watts wrote a wonderful hymn called When I Survey. Come on, somebody. The Wondrous Cross. The song was written from the scripture Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Isaac Watts Hymn called, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, here it is. He says, 
When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that to charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his, hand, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Where were the whole realm of nature mine that were present far too small? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. The cross was for you and for me. And the cross is where forgiveness was purchased by the blood of Jesus. To really take up your cross and follow Jesus. We need to promise to love Jesus more than anyone. Promise to love Jesus more than anything else and actually work to keep our promise to him. So today, when we come to our time of communion, let me encourage you to not only examine yourself, but let me also ask you today to ask God for the power to take up your cross. To God be the glory. To God be the praise. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church, West College Hill. If this word inspired you, please consider sharing it. We ask that you do not alter the content without permission. We invite you to firstbaptistchurchwch.org. Inquiries can be submitted at info at firstbaptistchurchwch.org. Our mailing address is 6210 Betts Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45224. Or you can call our offices at 513-681-1011. First Baptist Church, West College Hill. Reaching the world without sacrificing the message. First Baptist Church, West College Hill. Reaching the world without sacrificing the message.